Hey everyone, I'm glad you're a part of our online service today. I hope you've had a good week. I'm also praying that we'll have more good days and more good weeks as we move into the second half of 2020. A few days ago, I thought of an analogy for this year. 2020 sort of reminds me of my old Etch-a-Sketch. Do you remember these? An Etch-a-Sketch is a drawing toy and you can use the two knobs to draw a picture on the gray screen. And when you're done looking at the picture, you just shake the Etch-a-Sketch and the picture goes away. Well, to me, 2020 feels like our world has been shaken up like an Etch-a-Sketch. Things just don't look like they used to. And this shakeup has affected our routines, our relationships, and for some of us, our sense of security and emotional stability. When we're feeling shaken though, what we need is some solid ground to stand on. We need a strong foundation, and that foundation has to come from the Word of God. This is the source of reliable truth. So we're going back to God's Word today. We're continuing our journey through the book of Acts, and we're looking at the beginnings of Christianity. It's the story of the early Christians. And some people may wonder, what's the benefit in that, in, in going back to the early days of the church? How will that make a difference today? Well, I heard a great summary of the book of Acts. In just one sentence, here's what Acts is about. God is continuing the ministry of Jesus through his people by the power of the Holy Spirit. At the beginning of Acts, Jesus left this world, but his work continued. And his work also continues today through every person who truly follows Jesus. So this book is very relevant when we go back to the early Christians, their story connects with our story. Back in the first century, the church was moving forward, and it's still moving forward today. So as Plum Creek takes this journey through the book of Acts, we don't want to be passive. We don't want to just read about the church. We want to be the church. Many of you know that every week during this series, we have a simple action step to take. In week one, the step was to get into a small group of three to four people. And in each of these groups, we have at least one conversation every week. We encourage each other and we hold each other accountable to follow through on each of these action steps. And by the way, the response to these groups has been phenomenal. I don't know exactly how many have accepted this challenge, but we do know that a large number of you have joined a group. And again, if you haven't found one yet, please go to plumcreek.org connect. We'd love to get you into a group. And it's not too late. Now, last week, our action step was to take a neighborhood prayer walk. And the idea was to go around and pray for people in our community, that God would work in their lives, and that he would also use us to bless the people around us. I know that a lot of you participated in this step as well. Some of you got creative and you took a school prayer walk or a workplace prayer walk. It's been a powerful thing to lift up our neighbors in prayer. So we're gonna jump into Acts again today and I have a tough job here. I'm trying to cover three chapters, Acts three, four, and five. And obviously there's no way I can deal with these chapters in depth. So here's the plan. I'm gonna give you four major events from these three chapters, and that's enough to summarize what's happening in this part of Acts. But here's the other part of the plan. 
With each of these events, we'll see a truth that we can apply to our lives and to our church. So four events and four truths. Sound good? Okay, let's dive in. When we left off last week in Acts chapter 2, the church had officially begun. On the day of Pentecost, the apostle Peter preached a bold sermon in the city of Jerusalem, and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus and got baptized. It was an amazing day. Now, as we begin chapter 3, we get another amazing story. It's our first major event. Peter and John heal a lame beggar in the name of Jesus. And I want you to picture the scene here. It's three in the afternoon. Peter and John go up to the temple to pray. And when they arrive at the gate, they see a poor man sitting on the ground. He's begging for a handout. This man is over 40 years old, and he's never walked a day in his life. He's not able to walk. His friends would carry him to the temple gate every morning where hopefully he'd collect enough money to survive. But this man calls out to Peter and John, and he asks for money. Let's read what happens in Acts 3, verse 6. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So it's a miracle. It's a dramatic example of the power of God. And we're going to touch on that miracle in a second, but I want to pause for a moment to notice our first truth. The first truth that I see here is that God will give followers of Jesus a compassion for those who have been marginalized. I want to point out something in the text that would be very easy to miss. We need to jump back to verse 4. And before I read this, you have to understand something. In that culture, a beggar would typically look down, eyes to the ground. It was very common for a beggar to feel subhuman. And when someone decided to show pity and give a little money, it was just easier for both parties to avoid eye contact. But Peter and John were not okay with that. Verse 4 says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And that's what we read in the New, Inter New International Version. But I also like the wording in the New Living Translation, where it says, Peter and John looked at him intently. And then Peter said to the man, look at us. And right then, they looked each other in the eye. And do you see what that would mean for this lame beggar? Peter was saying, hey, I see you. I see you as a person of great worth because God created you in his image. Peter and John were not going to let this man feel like he was less valuable than anyone else. Now, I was thinking about how this truth relates to the racial tension in our culture right now. And I'm not going to dive into all the complexities around this issue. Suffice it to say, racism is wrong. Our nation's long history of injustice against African Americans is wrong. Violence and destruction are certainly wrong. And it's also wrong to condemn everyone in law enforcement because of the despicable actions of certain individuals. Here's the question, though. As followers of Jesus, how do we move forward? Well, hear me out on this. I'm not saying that I have it all figured out, but I do know that God will give followers of Jesus a compassion for those who have been marginalized. 
So here's what I did this week. I decided to start a few conversations and then just listen. I reached out to a longtime friend of mine who happens to be black, and I said, how are you doing right now? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? I want to learn more about what your life is like because I know my experience is very different than yours. I also reached out to a friend of mine who happens to be a police officer, and I said, how are you doing? How's this whole situation affecting you right now? Now, I know these simple conversations won't solve all of our problems, but it's so easy to just sit back and wring our hands or point fingers. So I was convicted to take at least a small step in the right direction. Through these conversations, I want these friends of mine to know, I see you. I recognize that you are a person of great worth because God made you in his image. And I want to know what you're going through right now. I want to know if there's any way that I can help. When I see Peter and John in Acts 3 verse 4, I see an example of compassion for all of us to follow. But back to the story. After this healing, a crowd gathers, and they know that a real miracle has just taken place. This wasn't some televangelist putting on a show. They knew this guy. He had been begging at the temple gate for years. There was no way he could have jumped up and walked on his own. So Peter takes advantage of this opportunity. Here's our second event. Peter preaches another powerful sermon, and thousands become followers of Jesus. Now, the crowd was ready to put Peter and John up on a pedestal. But Peter says, hey, don't get the wrong idea. We didn't perform this miracle by our own power. This is not about us. It's about Jesus. And then he launches into a sermon that is every bit as confrontational as the one we saw in Acts chapter 2. Listen to this. Peter says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, we know what Peter is doing here, right? He uses the miracle to get the attention of the crowd, and then he preaches the gospel. He explains to the people that they have sinned against God, and he also tells them the good news that they can be reconciled to God through a relationship with Jesus. It's a pattern that's happened time and time again over the centuries. And that leads me to this truth. God will use followers of Jesus to meet physical needs, which can open the door to meeting spiritual needs. And this is such a great way to help people know the love of God. When followers of Jesus feed the hungry, care for the poor, reach out to anyone who needs help in one way or another, we are showing God's love in a practical way. And our compassion can draw people to Jesus, which is huge because knowing Jesus is always our deepest need. I love the way that Plum Creek is committed to showing God's love and being generous outside of our church. I see it in our sharing center and Family Promise. I see it in the way so many of you sponsor a child in the slums of Kenya through Missions of Hope. I've seen it in the past couple of months with many of you making masks and finding creative ways to serve others. It's a great thing to meet physical needs in the name of Jesus. And it's, it's an even greater thing to see people find eternal life through the name of Jesus. 
And that's where this story goes in the book of Acts. At the end of Peter's sermon, he says to the crowd, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That sounds a lot like what Peter said in his first sermon back in chapter 2. And the response of the crowd is very similar too. Acts 4, verse 4. Many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to be about 5,000. So this is another great day, right? Another party for the church, right? Well, in some ways, yes, but in some ways, no. Look at our next major event. Peter and John were arrested by the Jewish religious leaders for preaching about Jesus. You see, at this point, the leaders have had enough. They're saying, we thought we dealt with this Jesus problem, but things are getting worse instead of better. So while Peter and John were speaking, a group walks up to arrest them. This group was made up of priests, the captain of the temple guard, and representatives from a political party called the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees were the most powerful group in the temple, and they're not the same as the Pharisees. The Pharisees were really focused on obeying every letter of the Jewish laws and regulations. But the Sadducees were more interested in political power. They were more focused on working with Rome, and they saw advantages to assimilating with the outside world. Oh, and one more thing about the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They denied that there would be an afterlife of any kind. So you can see the conflict coming, right? Because what did those early Christians believe? They believed that Jesus actually rose from the dead. They believed in the resurrection of everyone who belongs to Jesus, that will all rise again and spend eternity with God. But it's very interesting. Peter doesn't tiptoe around this conflict. He just dives right in. Look at chapter 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Wow, Peter just doesn't let up, does he? But remember, where does that boldness come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. And here's the truth. God will enable followers of Jesus to stand for truth even when it's unpopular. Now, I don't know where this world is going, but I do know that every Christian needs to be ready for a day when you may be persecuted just for following Jesus and staying true to Scripture. Look at the trends. Certain aspects of biblical Christianity are growing more unpopular every day. For example, look at what Peter said to those religious leaders in Acts 4.12. He said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So the message here is that Jesus is the only way to God. And Peter's not the only one who said that. Jesus himself said it in John chapter 14. But that's not what our world wants to believe, is it? It reminds me of that old saying, all roads lead to Rome. And that's been a common saying for hundreds of years. But is it true? Think about it. 
If you hop in your car and you start driving down 27, will you eventually get to the city of Rome without using a plane or a boat? Of course not. But in our world today, a lot of people want to take this all, ro all roads lead to Rome idea and apply it to religions and belief systems. But just because you want something to be true doesn't make it true. The reality is only Jesus rose from the dead. Only Jesus offers forgiveness through a system of grace. With every other belief system, the weight is on your shoulders. You have to work and strive and struggle to be good enough or enlightened or, or meet some kind of standard. It's up to you to measure up. But somewhere deep in our souls, we know the truth. None of us will ever measure up without getting help from outside ourselves. That's why we need Jesus. Of course, these religious leaders weren't about to consider that possibility. They couldn't decide how to punish Peter and John because the crowd was on their side. These people had seen a true miracle and they were praising God because of it. So Peter and John were released, but the leaders commanded them to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Now, knowing what we've seen from the apostles so far, do you think Peter and John obeyed this command? Of course not. Here's our last major event. Peter and John kept preaching about Jesus and the religious leaders threw them in jail and later had them flogged. But despite this persecution, the church kept moving forward. We've reached the part of Acts where real persecution begins. In the coming chapters, it's going to get worse, but it's amazing to see. Persecution does nothing to slow down the church. In fact, it actually accelerates the spread of Christianity. And we can see a powerful truth in that. The truth is, God will enable followers of Jesus to move forward despite all obstacles. Check this out. Right after the religious leaders had Peter and John flogged and commanded them yet again to stop preaching in the name of Jesus, here's what we see. Acts 5.42 Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So there's no doubt about it. In the book of Acts, the church keeps moving forward. And today, the church continues to move forward. But listen, if you and I want to move past our obstacles and be a part of what God is doing around us, we need to make the conscious decision to let him go to work in our lives. And you and I can pray like this. We can say, yes, Lord, I want to have more compassion for people who are marginalized. Help me do that. Yes, Lord, I want to be used by you to meet needs around me. Help me do that. Yes, Lord, I want to speak the truth even when it's not popular. Help me do that. And yes, Lord, I do want to overcome the obstacles in front of me. Help me do that. When we let God's Holy Spirit work in us and through us, we will move forward despite all obstacles. And that leads us to today's action step. Here's the challenge for today. Identify an obstacle that's holding you back from being the church and pray that God will help you overcome it and then do something to remove it. Now, it's helpful to look at specific obstacles that might hold us back. I'm going to give you a list here. And we'll post this list on our Facebook page right at the end of our live stream. Or if you're on our email list, you'll get it that way too. But see if any of these 10 statements resonate with you. 
Some of us might say, sure, I know that I should be more involved in the work of God's kingdom, but I'm too busy, or I'm too distracted, or God can't use me because blank, and then fill in that blank with whatever you think disqualifies you from being used by God. Or maybe you have a different obstacle. Maybe you would say, I just don't feel motivated, or I don't have any accountability. By the way, if that's you, get in a three to four group. Or maybe you would say, I'm getting resistance from others. You're getting pushback or rejection from people around you. And the next three are very common. I struggle with fear. I struggle with doubt. I struggle with a habitual sin. And when you've got sin that you're not dealing with, that always does damage to your relationship with God and to your potential of being used by Him. And then finally, this may be the most common obstacle of all. I'm too focused on myself. So again, do any of these statements sound like something you would say? If so, that's okay, right? Because God will enable followers of Jesus to move forward despite all obstacles. We just need to admit that we need help and then go seek it out. So in your groups this week, have some honest conversations around this list. Share what your obstacle is and pray for each other and identify a clear step that will help you break through that obstacle and then move forward. It's time to be the church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the great stories that we see here. And I also thank you for the way your word applies to us. We ask you, Lord, that you will help us to move past the obstacles in front of us so that we can be the church. I pray these things in your name. Amen.